Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA Show presents Verbal Sparring. That's right, we're back. We got seven loaded questions here from you, the community. Me and Dominic may go ahead and we may team up and take on these questions one by one. You have to find out all this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us. It's a lovely Monday morning. We're back. It's been a long while, Dom. Apologies, everyone, for the lack of a of a Thursday episode. Unfortunately, it was very under the weather. Dominic was man. He was he was like man. I'm gonna do this one for us. And I was like, no, Dom. Let's just let's just take a day, man. I said Dom's he he that man's addicted to the world. He's addicted to the grind. <laughs> He's like no day off without an episode. Damn it. So, uh, but, but we're, we're glad to be back here. Give you guys something to start your week off. Right. Of course, Wednesday or Thursday, excuse me, Thursday, we'll be back with our normal preview episode and we'll be recapping Bellator from this past weekend and two weeks worth of contender series and all that. So a lot yeah. going on this week, Dominic, but how are you feeling? It's been a while since we've been in here in the saddle and we got seven solid questions questions here to go over today are you are you up for the task oh i'm so up for the task i'm so excited we got our alternate jerseys back on for today with the verbal sparring um we're gonna bring it this week we got fights again next week then another off week but that time we're gonna crank out the content for you guys we're coming back um it's always nice though to have a saturday off to have a week to digest to reset um, but the wheels are turning, the creative juices are turning over here in the backside of things, in the office, dare I say. So big things coming. The Joes are excited. We hope you guys are excited. We love you guys. Noah, how are you doing? I know you're ready to get into this discussion. Yeah, I just got this cream in my neck that won't quit. <laughs> it's, I was telling you off recording, I'm like, man, it's really hard to just like sit like this right now. I keep wanting to like rest of my head like this, like, this yeah is perfect yeah. i can go to sleep right now just, just do like the whole this. episode like that yeah but um besides that i'm good i was a game time decision i guess if my my neck you know my neck's <laughs> broken yeah um but no besides that everything's good had a great day of betting yesterday mm-hmm. i mean just killed it I and mean, fade me at your own risk people because i back i back he said it. And uh, it's had a really solid month of MMA betting. I mean, things are looking up right now. Yeah, yeah. He's dialing it in. Yeah. But anyways, Dominic, we're here to go over verbal sparring. Of course, verbal sparring is where me and Dominic go head-to-head, team up, whichever we decide. But we have a solid seven questions here relating to the world of MMA that we are going to go over. These are questions that I have scoured the web Everywhere and anywhere, every inch, every corner that I could find to look for your questions, the MMA community. What questions were people asking? What did they need answers to? And we're here to give you the answers. This is this is it. This is the source right here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So lock in. Your questions will be answered right now. So question number one, Dominic. We start mm-hmm. out hot and heavy 
basically the, the question's simple. Come to a consensus on the top five fighters outside of the UFC. So we have to team up for this one. We we gotta we gotta really come together, use both our brains, which I would like to think if we combined our brains that'd be like the size of a normal brain, and then mm-hmm. we yes. can really evaluate who the top five fighters are outside the UFC. Now, I want to propose one thing to our list here. I don't think we should rank them. No, no ranking. I no ranking. I, I yeah, 100%. So, we're, we're, so one through five, this isn't a pound-for-pound pound ranking list. Yeah. It's people we think are the top five outside the UFC. Yes. So the obvious ones, Demetrius Johnson. Yeah, Demetrius is easily there. That gives us four extra spots, basically. <clears throat> so an interesting question might be, does one FC, even though it's kind of like fourth on our pecking order, is do they have the top two fighters outside the UFC with Demetrius and then Renee DeRitter? I think so, Noah. I think those are probably the top two fighters outside of the UFC. Demetrius just got his title back. Renee DeRitter is 16-0 and with 14 finishes. He's a double champion uh, in one championship. I think it's probably them two. And then, dare I say, a little bit of a drop-off before you get to the other three that we put together here. I guess I don't know if I agree with that because I do think Patricio Pitbull and AJ McKee are very talented fighters. I mean, I think if if either of those guys didn't lose to the other, yeah. so when Patricio yeah. was at the, his top, at his peak, if he hadn't gotten finished in the first round by McKee, and then if McKee hadn't turned around and lost that decision in the rematch to Pitbull, I think somehow that's lowered both of their stocks to the yes. average fan. Um but I think if you went before those fights, Patricio Pitbull was probably looked at as the best fighter out of the UFC. Yeah. I think it's obvious that he's he's probably not now because I think you know Demetrius and DeRitter have done so well. But I think he's still top five. I think both of them are probably top five, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, this is where it gets hard when you have to well, fit in and, three and others. We could start. We could start listing some out. So I mean, Kayla Harrison. Probably oh on yeah. That list. Yeah, she probably now, has to the be issue. On that list. I feel like she's a very controversial one to include, and that's because she's not exactly fighting the best competition, and it's in a weight class that's not familiar to the UFC mm-hmm. or to Bellator. So, I don't know. It's it, it, is she a top five? Like, I'm not. I personally probably wouldn't put her on there yet but mm-hmm. i mean i think she's got to be close she's definitely the most dominant outside of the ufc yeah yeah that's a good word way to describe her i gotta say prior to june i think it would have been pretty clear to put jaygard musasi on here however no he lost his title but to a man that could make this list in a 12 and 0 undefeated johnny evelyn the current champion at middleweight right now yeah, Bellator. I- he could be on that list. <clears throat> I wouldn't quite put him up there yet, just because I don't think the re- I mean, the win over Gegard is. I mean, that's that's as about as good of a win as you can get yeah. outside the UFC. But I don't think his resume quite stacks up. Like, um, I mean, I think people like Corey Anderson or Vadim Nemkov would be more deserving than 
um, mm. Johnny Evelyn. Yeah. Uh, Corey Anderson was like a top, around top five-ish heavyweight during his time in the UFC. He was knocking on the door for a title shot, lost to Jan Blahovich. Uh He seemed on his way to winning the whole Grand Prix, winning that light heavyweight title in Bellator. You know, the accidental headbutt that ended everything. But it seems pretty obvious Corey Anderson's one of the best fighters outside the UFC. Yeah, um, yeah. For PFL, do you, I mean, I feel like you're going to be a pretty big Olivier Alvin Mercier uh, guy when it comes to this top five list. That was the next name I was going to say is OAM. He's having a phenomenal year. He hasn't lost during his time over there in the PFL. He's one win away from getting the million dollars in the championship belt. Still in his prime years. It's just, I don't know. Maybe for him, though, it comes down to can he win that championship, and if so – he probably does get into that top five. But if we're making it now, which is in September, maybe we don't put him in. You know what I'm saying? So to put pen to paper here, we already said Demetrius Johnson, Renee DeRitter. Yes. I would say the next three are Patricio Pitbull, A.J. McKee, Corey Anderson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to make sure I, I'm not snubbing anybody here. Like, I mean, there's definitely some more people that I could be mentioning, but but in terms to really make the top five, the only people that and that aren't even snubs, but but that are arguable to put in. Well, there's a ton, but like you said, Kayla's one of them. OAM. I'm looking at a list over here too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at one time you might be able to say Angela Lee from one, but I think she lost her title in her last fight, I believe. Yeah, so, true. Um, and if Demetrius yeah, Johnson well, doesn't beat Marais, Marais is arguably on this list too. That's a guy that's right. super underrated, but going into that yeah. fight, we felt. No, that's so. very true. Very true. And he was winning most of that fight before, yeah. obviously, yeah. The, the finishing sequence. Is it kind of interesting that we sort of have crowned PFL like the second promotion? You know, I, we really like what they're doing for the most part and a lot of the moves they're making, but yet not a whole lot of discussion for them in the top five outside the UFC. Is that is that say something to you or is that just the way it kind of stacks up right now? I think it's the way it stacks up when you just look at their, you know, levels of competition. And like, yes, Kayla's had the championships, but her just competition wasn't there. OAM has better competition, obviously in the PFL than Kayla, but he doesn't have the championship yet. But you look at AJ, you look at Pitbull, those are champions. You know what I mean? Corey yeah, Anderson I, was a top five UFC light heavyweight. Like you said, like it's easier to put them in there. I think because of what they've already done, PFL, we're waiting to see what they can do. Kind of, you know, and some PFLs had some people slip up that would potentially be building that resume. Ray Cooper to third. Yes. If he would have been doing things this season like he did last season, he'd probably be a lock for that spot. I mean, I would say so probably if he went back-to-back. I mean, I think that would say a lot. But instead, this season was kind of a mess for him. So yeah, UK um, fans could probably say Brennan Lochnane, especially if he wins in November the championship. Yeah, like it's people I, think, that. I, I think November, would he, that, he would definitely be one that needs that that big win because his last fight was really his coming out party before that. Yeah. It was, it was all 
what people think he can do, what he has the potential to do, but never what he really was doing, in my opinion. Yeah, and and the history with contender series, but he got you know he didn't get the contract. Yeah. That yeah. kind of adds intrigue to his story too. There's yeah. so many great fighters though, guys that are not in the UFC. Like there's high level mm-hmm. talent all over the world in every organization. You know. Yeah. Let us know who you guys think. Who did we miss when we were kind of evaluating? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> I would take out Corey Anderson. I put in Chris Cyborg. Yeah, I just I thought that's what you were about to say. She just made her boxing debut too. But yeah, Chris Cyborg obviously is a current champion in Bellator. She was a champion in the UFC. She probably rounds out that five. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably. But take still Bellator. Out. So still. So are we in agreement? Mighty Mouse, DeRitter, McKee, Pitbull, Chris Cyborg. Cyborg. Yeah. That seems pretty stout. Very interesting. I mean, Pitbull and McKee, same division. I mean, well, I know McKee fighting Spike Carlisle coming up. Dominic yeah, Spike Carlisle will be on this list next year. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's our top five. Let us know who we missed, who you think should be on there. Uh, embrace debate. You know, that's what we try yes. to do around here. Question number two. This is and wait till I'm done. And wait till I'm done asking the question before you pop it up. I want to. I want to leave him in suspense. You know, okay. what, what's okay. the question going to be? Um, so, so, speaking of Mighty Mouse, you know he's obviously with One FC now, and that's due to the infamous trade between One and the UFC that sent Mighty Mouse to uh, One for Ben Askren. So, Dominic, it'll be four years in October since that trade went down. The question is, how did the trade turn out for who were the winners and losers? You know, this is such an interesting question. By the way, the fact that it's almost been four years, literally in a couple weeks, that's pretty crazy, by the way. Time flies. But yeah, we've still, and it isn't it weird how like that's the first time we ever really saw anything like that. And it's yes. not happened since. Yeah, it's still the last. Um, how did the train turn out for? But honestly, guys, in terms of like the wins and the losses, it may seem more clear for one side than the other. But if we're talking for the brands, for the companies themselves, no, I think they both made out pretty damn well, in my opinion. Because Ben Askren came over and created hype. He lit that match and he rode it. It was a very short wave, a very short window. But when he had that momentum, he had that crowd, he had that undefeated record for a time, he had the rivalry with Dana, he was just, he, he got under his opponent's skin. Ben Askren turned himself into as close to, if not a mainstream MMA fighter during that one year, basically in the UFC, super quickly. He did it very well, and he brought eyes to those UFC pay-per-views, to those UFC cards, Noah. But then you look at, for one... Yes, they got, you know, they got rid of Ben, but Ben was really kind of retired anyway. He wasn't like super Mm -hmm. active at that time for one. They get Demetrius Johnson. He's been super active. He's been in a Grand Prix tournament. He's been in a mixed rules fight. He's been in a championship fight and just won it against Adriano Marais. Both companies have made out Noah very, very well. Dare I say, there are no losers in this trade, Noah. I think it's pretty clear in my opinion. Yes, the UFC did. Uh, they are by no means a loser here. I mean, I think Demetrius Johnson, one of the best to ever do it. 
he was the pound for pound best fighter in the company at the time. Well, he had just lost his title, but you know, it was like super close. Yeah. One of the top five pound for pound fighters in the whole company at the time. Never was a box office draw. Just, yeah. He just, you could never really sell him in a main event spot. He just didn't really, the, the, the crowd, the fans, they really didn't gravitate toward him like that, the casual fans. Yeah. So Ben Askren comes in, never was really put, I mean, he was in a main event with Damian Maya, but that was kind of after things that sort of went off the yeah. rails. Um, but he came in and was in two high-profiled like fights on pay-per-views, Robbie Lawler and the Jorge Masvidal uh, fight. But and I will agree, I think it was very fun having him in the company. Like I look back very fondly on that at that time. A lot of the press conferences were must-watch. You know, him and Dana had a lot of history, a lot of beef. But you know, so seeing how they would interact, how he would interact with Masvidal or whoever who he'd call out. I mean, it was very fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But it was so short. Oh, I mean, yeah. It was, it was not even a year, Dom. I mean, this was from, like, March to September. I Blink mean, and you is, miss this it. This is, like, it was like seven, eight months, you know? Yeah. That I still think that what one has gotten out of Mighty Mouse is far, far better than what the UFC got out of Askren. Mm-hmm. And the UFC is so big that they might not even look at it like that. They're like, you know what? He brought in a few more eyeballs to some pay-per-views for us. That's all we need because they need Mighty Mouse that much. But you traded one of your best fighters in the whole company. Mm-hmm. Especially when you consider the fact that a trilogy bout with him and Cejudo was a must. And likely would have been probably one of his bigger fights of his tenure there. I'm not saying it would have been a massive fight, but especially once Cejudo started really kind of building his character and stuff like that, I think that fight could have done a lot better than most of uh, Demetrius's other fights. But if you consider yourself the best fight promotion in the world, you have the best fighters in the world, and you trade arguably the best in your whole company for a guy who went one and two ended up on the receiving end of the fastest knockout in UFC history. I mean, it's hard to say that they both like, like, I don't like you can say both come out winners. Cause at the end of the day, I don't think there are losers in this exchange, but one came out a way bigger winner in my opinion than the other. Yeah. It's like from a business perspective, they both were winners, but if you want to look at fighting in the competition standpoint, one is the winner in this situation and UFC is the loser. Yeah, Dominic, I'm not even sure if even from a business standpoint, like has 1FC really benefited financially from having Mighty Mouse? I don't know. You know, if you ask them, I mean, the way that their press releases look and stuff, they tell you he made them a billion dollars. I mean, that's the way that they just talk. It's almost like parody at a certain point, the way 1FC tries to inflate their their value to the world and everything. So, I don't know if he's really helped him at all financially, especially what they probably had to pay to bring him in. Not to mention, didn't he get like a huge esports deal along with it, for one? Do you remember that? 
Ooh, was he going to be like a streamer kind of for them or something? I know that he is I, a gamer. I don't know if he was. I don't know if he was going to be a streamer, but he got some multi-million dollar like esports like extension of his deal with one. I, I don't remember yeah. exactly. I mean, Dominic, you're kind of the gamer here. What's going on, man? You should. You, well, you got to be on top of this stuff back in 2018, pal. I mean, right. come on. <laughs> and I'll say, I'll but, say too, though, financially, real quick, because we we can compare this to actually football. We're big NFL and football fans in general. They just set the record for Prime subscriptions when they went to Thursday night exclusively on Amazon Prime. Well, Amazon and one have a deal, and who headlined that first card? Demetrius Johnson. I would be curious to see if that. Uh, paid out for them at all in terms of an investment um were there extra subscriptions what were those types of numbers because really here i'd say it didn't get too crazy and out of hand but for the people that are over there in asia did they go out of their way did they purchase one or amazon prime so that they could continue watching one championship you know their home their domestic mma fight league that's something i would actually be really curious in i don't know if it's out there and if anybody actually does know when you're hearing this, please let us know. But I might even have to look into that. So question number three this is one posed by one of our consistent viewers. This being shout out to them. Shout out. And um, their question was pretty simple. I already kind of gave my answer to them, but figured kind of posed a question to Dom here. Are Joe Rogan and Bruce Buffer future inductees to the contributor wing of the UFC Hall of Fame? Yeah, so this is a no-brainer. This is an absolute yes for me, uh, Noah, Vispian, everyone that el- else interested in this question. I think they've just they've brought too much fun, too much entertainment, too much value to the UFC to not be in this contributor ring. And it's actually fitting that we got this on this episode because just within the last week during our off week, it came out that Joe Rogan uh, basically said, once Dana's gone, I'm gone. It's in my contract. I'm out of here. And so it really just kind of had me in my feels, Noah, just thinking that one day, regardless of what anybody thinks of any three of these people, you can't discredit what they've done for the company, for the sport, and Dana White's shoes for the UFC and these two shoes. There's going to be a day when Dana White, Joe Rogan, and Bruce Buffer are all gone and no longer with the UFC during our viewing experience. And Noah, that's like a that's like getting kicked right in the nuts, if I'm being quite frank with you. That is a sad, sad reality to think about. And when that came out last week, that's all I could think about during that day was just how upsetting mm-hmm. that is. And it relates to this question because these two are undoubtedly going to be and absolutely should be in the UFC Hall of Fame. I, so I'm going to actually – so I, I, I told him, like, same thing. I said, no-brainer, you put those two in – They've had a massive impact on the company. Bruce Buffer, voice of the Octagon. Joe Rogan, the voice of the Octagon for the home audience in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, that man, I mean, both of them have had such a big impact. But I will pose a little question for you because I did see that quote about, you know, when Dana leaves, Rogan's gone. Basically, that's, that's, it's like a package deal, you know? Yeah. My question is, Dom. And I want to be careful how I how I word this because I'm not trying to stray too close to the political discussion sun. You know, that's something we tend to avoid around here. We're not big into that kind of stuff. But 
Joe Rogan's turned himself into a bit of a controversial figure in, in outside of MMA, really. Yeah, people in MMA have their issues with him, but it seems like now he's like this huge, like he's always being talked about on CNN or Fox News or whatever. It's like he's become this huge source of controversy outside of MMA. So when the day comes that he, you know, I'm assuming they would wait to induct him after mm-hmm. he's left and retired, right? But if he's leaving when Dana leaves, then who's to say that the person that gets put in Dana's shoes, like when Dana leaves, is the UFC really going to be what the UFC currently is? Or are oh, they going to start turning more and more into like other sport leagues that are more accessible to all types of people, very PC and whatnot, you know? kind of that that culture that you see in all these major sports leagues is that is Dana really the person kind of keeping the UFC from fully embracing that I don't know so the my I would just ask you like do you feel like if if Dana's not in that in that chair making those decisions does Rogan potentially miss out on the UFC Hall of Fame due to his controversial status Oh boy, I, I sure hope that wouldn't be the case. Um, I don't think any outside factors should affect the, like especially these types of outside factors. Joe Rogan's the biggest podcaster in the world, guys. I mean, but it's not like he's going out of his way to intentionally harm people or hurt people or do anything stupid. He just calls it how he sees it. He says stuff that's in his mind. That's what we do. We don't get into the things he does, but that's what podcasting is. You get on, you talk, people watch you, people listen to you. They don't like it, they do like it, but. Um, I, I mean, I don't think any of that should affect it. And it is interesting though, to think of a world when Dana's not the president. A lot of people have, and this could be a question even for you know a future show. I've seen people discuss it. I think Ariel had this question on his show, but like who would be a front runner to be the new president of the UFC? A lot of people tend to think Daniel Cormier would be one of them. Uh, Hunter Campbell, obviously, is the chief business officer. He already has his hands on a lot of these things for the UFC contractually with all these fighters. Um, those are just kind of the two main things that are in my head, but I'll say that I just hope it's a little ways down the road. Um, mm. I don't know. I'm holding on to that nostalgia because it's always been this way for me. Even when I was a kid, it was still Joe Rogan. It was still Dana White, the Fertitas at the time. Like it's always been this way. So you want to talk mm. about a major change to your favorite sport ever? Your, I mean, that's that's big. That's big. I think we have quite a while. I think those two guys yeah. are never going to quit. And, yeah. and Rogan, I feel like, would be gone before Dana at this point. But I could be wrong. I mean, Joe, he, I, if there was a time for him to really kind of move on, like if he really didn't want to do it anymore, it would have been a time when they were bringing in guys like DC and Dominic mm-hmm. Cruz and Michael Bisping. But he keeps – he likes it. He loves it, obviously. Um, I do actually – I'm going to put in, in this spot, a unofficial eighth question right here, right now. Okay. And it's because you you threw in a little, you kind of threw me for a loop with an interesting little name that you mentioned there. See, I think it's pretty obvious Hunter Campbell is going to be the guy. Like, I think that's, unless he moves on or does something else, he's going to be the next Dana or whatever you want to call him. Do you actually think that there's a percentage – like, what would you give a percentage chance of Daniel Cormier being in that position? Oof. Um, 
10 maybe really probably that's about really? it that might be a little bit too high a lot of people say him on twitter yeah, and stuff and i, 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 I don't like people say him, but i think it's probably like a negative 82 percent chance <laughs> yeah <laughs> um there's no way like i i get why people say him because he's such a prominent voice in the ufc at this point he's constantly doing commentary and obviously, he's one of the best fighters of all time. But if there's someone more, how do I, how do I word this? He's not. He he's not just because he's an all-time fighter and does commentary for the UFC does not mean that he's equipped to do the job that Dana and/or Hunter Campbell would do. I mean, Hunter Campbell's like a lawyer. Like he he has a law degree like i think he went to an ivy league school or something and honest let's be honest he's probably more so the the unofficial official president at this point anyway in terms of just the hands-on what he's doing yeah you know what i mean dana's like dana's like the figurehead you you come at the ufc you come at dana i'm the spokesperson i'm the face i am the the ufc that's dana yeah 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 because hunter I don't think we'll, I think once Dana's gone, I think we're gonna miss a lot of that. Like I think once Hunter's kind of in that spot or whoever, I don't think you're gonna be as active in speaking to the media and yeah, like doing those podcasts and interviews and stuff. Like I know Dana's oh. even done less of it as he's gotten older, but no doubt, like that is strictly a Dana move. Like once Dana's out of that seat. You're basically gonna. We're always gonna be like wondering. We're gonna be left in the dark on a lot more than we already are. I feel like. Oh yeah, man. I mean, we'll just look at the other sports leagues. You already brought it up earlier. Kind of a different discussion. But how often do you see those Roger Goodell doing press conferences every mm-hmm. week or doing podcasts? Adam Silver for the uh, NBA, you know, so on and so forth. You don't see other commissioners, presidents doing like the publicity and the things that Dana does. Dana is just cut from like a different cloth when it comes to that even like his social media the fuck it fridays if you don't know now you know all these other things like it's just it's so much different than any other figureheads of any other league my man my man out there saying fuck it fridays are like uh you're acting like that's a marketing tool right now i'm like like damn dom you like you like them nasty foods that much oh i've made two of them very good stuff oh have you (laughs) have you made two of them i knew you made one but what what were the two that you made i did the peanut butter grilled chicken ramen very good actually very good my sister actually does it like once a week now she does it all the time and then i did the uh the air fryer pizza that was from like a month ago probably quesadillas or i'm sorry not quesadillas tortilla shells pizza sauce pepperoni cheese double layer it put it in the air fryer Air fryers, by the way, guys, I know this isn't closing statements, but holy shit, they'll change your life. If you don't have one, you need to go get one. But, yeah, I've done two so far. Looking to do more in the future. So, Wow. Good for you. I <laughs> That's very funny, but I like that. Number – so, I mean, it's technically number four uh, we're moving yeah. on to now. Yeah. Um, this is a question I've been wanting to ask you for a long time, Dom. <laughs> We, we we have talked about Conor McGregor so so much. The man, the face that runs the place, the the yeah. is the biggest name in the sport. 
Unfortunately, he's been out for over a year now because he had broke his leg in his last fight with Dustin Poirier. Real nasty break. Um, and obviously, Connor's so big that he's not really going to fight as often anyways. But that's been the reason why he's been out this long. And we'll, as of now, we're not sure when the uh, comeback will be. But I keep seeing this this point that people keep bringing up, Dom, about Conor McGregor's return fight. Now, let's just talk about where Conor McGregor's at. Let's just be honest about it. Uh, he's lost back-to-back fights, mm-hmm. uh, to, to both to Dustin Poirier. His last win was January 2020 against Cowboy Cerrone, who had, I don't think, won a fight since that Conor fight. Mm-hmm. Um. And it was at 170. Yeah. Hasn't won a fight at lightweight since 2016, right? Yep. Almost six years. Yep. Two two months. And this is not... These are not points to bring up to say that we don't think he's a good fighter. He's obviously a great fighter. Yeah. He hasn't... But these points are being brought up because what I keep seeing, Dom... As we speculate about his return fight, you know, we, we've had some people come at us about, you know, when you post clips of me talking about him and Usman being a potential fight or him, Max, or whatever, you know, like these fights that are possibilities. Everyone comments and says, well, he's going to get a title fight. You know the UFC want to give him a title fight. He's going to fight Charles in his return fight, or he's going to fight the welterweight champion. Like, no question about it. He's the biggest name in the sport. He is going to get that title shot. Charles wants it. He said he wants it, so it's going to happen. I just need to know, Dominic, will the UFC make Conor McGregor's return fight be for a title despite those statistics that we just mentioned? Yeah, I feel like I just roll my eyes these days when I see people saying that it's obvious that he's going to get a title fight. Is it? Is it, though? Is it? I mean, I I don't know, guys. Uh, no, by the way. No, I don't think the UFC will make <laughs> Conor McGregor's return fight be for a title. Um, I just, I, I know that the UFC value Conor so highly, and it's uh, rightfully so. He's brought him quite literally b- millions, if not billions. You know, Conor said he had a big reason and why they sold the company for 4.6 billion but i digress he's made him a lot of money but at the end of the day the ufc 90 there's i'm gonna leave 10 percent leeway 90 percent of the time do make the best fights the most competitive fights the most the fights that make the most sense with the rankings the title picture etc yes a month ago was outstanding with Hamza and Nate, but it didn't happen, so it doesn't count. But it still happens sometimes, so that's why I gave him 10%. Connor's not coming back in after snapping his leg in half and waltzing into a title fight at either weight class. I would be utterly shocked in Noah. I mean, I have Connor McGregor here on my wall. I, I got a gift of him when he won the double championship. It's a picture. But he does not deserve to come in over anyone and fight for a title. It, it's that simple. I mean, especially at lightweight, when you haven't won a fight at that weight class since November of 2016. At welterweight, your last win was Cowboy Cerrone. He's retired now, by the way. It doesn't it doesn't add up, guys. I don't care how big of his social media following is, how many pay-per-views he's going to bring. You could put him up against me and Noah 
and he'd sell a million pay-per-views. It doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if he's fighting for a title. All that does is just add a couple extra pay-per-views. That's if anything, that's all that does. He's gonna sell regardless. It will not be for a title. No, it should not be for a title. No, he does not deserve to fight for a title. No, no, no. Yeah, the obvious answer, he doesn't deserve it. He he the resume right now, he's lost two in a row. Hasn't won a fight at lightweight since 2016. Does not warrant a lightweight title shot. And the fact that he won his last win at welterweight was January 2020 against a fighter that went on to lose like six straight after and retired uh, recently. Don't think that warrants a welterweight title shot either. Um, but nobody's questioning if he deserves it or not. When people are saying this. I know. And I know you're, you mentioned more than just if he deserves it. I'm just addressing it, you know, layer by layer. As far as nobody mentions him getting a title shot saying he deserves it, you know? Right. Like, right. it's never like, oh, well, he deserves to come back due to all he did in the past for the company or whatever. You know, it's never yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Everybody who says it says that that's what the UFC are going to do, which is a point. That is a point of view that me and you use all the time i mean we have people come at us for some of our clips where we're talking about yeah know, hamzad and paulo or or uh, marlon vera and uh cory sanhagen being great fights that we think they would do we would talk about a ufc thinks they need one more for a title whatever mm-hmm. and people will kind of come at us and we're like wait a minute we're just telling you what we think the ufc is going to do right we're not telling you what we think should happen Right, because I think if you focus so much on what we think should happen, that's a point of view that everybody has. Like, yeah, why don't it's we talk always about, different. We think I think we have a good pulse on what the UFC ends up doing. Yeah, so we try to speculate before it happens. Now, anyways, that's a just a side tangent, but that's where the point of view of these people come from. But yet, and yet, that should be something we can see, right? Mm-hmm. We tend to be able to see a little bit into the future almost for what the UFC heads are kind of thinking, um, what they what matchups they really want to put together and whatnot. But I just don't see it with this. Now no, I, I understand I, I understand the logic, like the biggest draw in the sport. The UFC value him so much that the idea being that he, if he wants to come back to a title shot, well, damn it, give it to him because it's going to get, it's going to break the bank. You're going to get a million plus pay-per-view buys. And if Connor's champion, that's only going to make the sport get bigger and bigger and all this stuff. And I know that the UFC at times has given people title shots that were unwarranted or just put together weird matchups like the Hamzat Nate Diaz one that didn't end up coming true. But like Brock Lesnar getting a title shot way back in the day. He got it on a, what was he, two and one was his professional MMA record. Mm-hmm. He had beat Heath Herring and he got a title shot. Yeah. But had lost to Farron in his UFC debut. He's one and one in the UFC. Yeah. So now, obviously, he ended up winning the title, defending the title, but... You know, probably didn't warrant a title shot at the time. Yeah. I just, I've, if the UFC actually gave Connor, let's say next March or April, a title fight against either Charles Oliveira or Islam Makachev or 
Leon Edwards or Kamaru Usman or whoever, the single most undeserving title shot in UFC history. There you go. There you go. And Connor might be the guy that could do that, right? That's he's yeah. the biggest. But why didn't they give him a title shot when he came back against Donald Cerrone? Tell me that. Right. Right. Why? Do you tell me him and Habib at that time wouldn't have broke the bank? They literally have the big they had the biggest pay per view of all time. Yeah. Well, okay, he fought at welterweight. Why didn't he fight? Uh, was, it, was it Usman at that? Yeah, it was Usman. Why didn't he still. fight Usman at that point? Yeah. A month before that pay per view with him and Cowboy, guess who main evented the month before? It was Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say, Dom, is they already proven back when he did. Like, yes, he was coming off a loss against Habib. But back then, when his return fight was being speculated, I definitely thought they were giving him a title fight when he came back. Yeah. And then they gave him Donald Cerrone. And now maybe some of that was personal choice part, wanting to kind of ease his way back in. But if he was trying to ease his way back in then, what's he do this time? Exactly. If anything, it's going to be the same level, if not even lower, right? Because this time he's not coming off of just a loss. He snapped his leg. Mm -hmm. He broke his leg. We don't even know if the guy's training. He weighs 206 pounds. I don't think he's ever fighting at lightweight again. I mean, there's so many more questions about Connor, but just a return fight in general, again, it doesn't never has to be for a title. But competitively, like, he does he fight Dustin for a fourth time? Does do they get Nate to re-sign for one fight and finally do that trilogy? Do they do Connor versus Kamaru, like Noah said? I still love that idea, regardless of if that's for a title or not. I don't care if that is either. Um, there are just other fights to do that don't warrant that the UFC knows they don't need to put a title for. Therefore, why would they do it? Why would they? They can keep their competitive standings going because no, these divisions are on fire. Welterweight's really starting to catch, especially now with Leon as the champion. Lightweight has been on fire for a couple of years now, but now it's really all coming together with these young guys that are surging in. I think the UFC recognizes they can't just throw Connor right into the top three and then mm -hmm. risk potentially screwing that all up by him coming a champion. Then is he going to defend? Because remember, guys, he's been a champion in two weight classes, never defended a belt. And, you know, what, what all would happen there? You put more delays into the division, yada, yada, yada. I think the UFC knows that it's just not quite smart. And again, when you can just sell pay-per-views like this, you don't need to do the title fight. You can keep everything going and still bring Connor back. And, by the way, still be a main event on a pay-per-view, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to copy what you just said because this is kind of what you just said. But you you literally don't – like, what is the real purpose of putting him in a title fight right yeah. now? Yeah. Does a fight with him versus Charles or Islam for the lightweight title – sell more than him versus Michael Chandler in just a five round non title fight. Right. Right. Don't I don't so. know. I, I, I don't I think don't so. think it does. Maybe yeah. Islam if you build in the Habib a, thing. Right. Right. I'm kind of thinking that as I'm going but I, I still don't even know if that would happen because I don't think Islam's necessarily breaking the bank right now, even though he's the Habib protege and whatnot. But, like, let's say it's him and Charles. Like, I love Charles Oliveira, and one of the most successful pay-per-views this year was UFC 274 that he headlined. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he's proving to be kind of building a bit of a reputation for himself. 
But I don't think that that fight sells considerably more than if you do Conor versus Michael Chandler in a main event. Yeah. And you can keep Charles fighting the real contenders. Now, there is an element to this where if that's what Charles wants, he wants that that life-changing payday. I can't blame him for that, but that's not what I'm here to focus on. Well, yeah, and and no, I'm going to be honest with you too, in my opinion. Conor comes back, regardless, 170, 155. If he wins one fight... He is going to get a title fight. That's mm-hmm. how it's going to work. So yeah. if you're the UFC, you give him, again, it's not tune-ups. It's not easy fights. But I'm saying you give him a matchup that is more winnable than like him versus Charles or Islam. Those are tough. Mm-hmm. Those are tough matchups for Connor. Mm-hmm. Charles Oliveira eats left hands for breakfast and then just keeps coming. Islam is Habib 2.0. Well, we know how Habib and Connor you give him. You give him a guy like Tony Ferguson. Yeah, and, and, and literally, if he beats Tony at, what is he, ranked 11th, and Connor's like number 12, Connor's getting a title fight. I'd bet yeah. $1,000 that he would still get a title fight off yeah, of one win. 100%. One win, no matter That's what. That's all we're saying. And yeah. I wouldn't even complain that much about it. At <laughs> least really it would be more warranted than now. That's what I'm saying. Like, I wouldn't complain if he got a title fight. Off. Like, again, would it feel like, would it really be deserved? No, but that's that's the business. Like, if as long as he gets one win, I mean, that's all I can really ask for. Just don't do not get make his return fight be for a title. That would be a travesty. And no, just real quick, I don't want to keep tangenting. We were all coming down nitty gritty. Three questions left, but like, I just don't even like. Yes, I think I'm going to see Connor fight again, but the other half of me is like, mm, are we? I mean, are we going to see <clears throat> Connor? fight again i immediate answer yes but i have this little bit of just pessimism that i just i don't know really yeah i, I think know. we'll see him fight again i i had that feeling you're talking about that reminds me of kind of the lead up to the habib fight mm. like i really just kind of before the dolly incident you know kind of that post mayweather buzz yeah and stuff. yeah yeah and it went like over a year i just it felt at that time that just felt like such a long time and or two years in mma he was off for two years yeah yeah because he had the boxing fight in between but once it got uh, right before that dolly incident stuff once the dolly thing happened well actually when the dolly happened i remember coming into our dorm room you saying that you're like yeah that's the end of his career and like that's it it's over yeah and that's a that's probably one of the coldest things I've ever said, by the way. <laughs> but, but I mean, at the time, that seemed like I was like, Dom, yeah. you really think it's you really think they're like never gonna have him fight again because of this? He's like, dude, look at what he just did. <laughs> yeah. And then, sure enough, they used it in fight promotion just a few yeah. months later. Yeah. So anything's on the line, I guess, in MMA. But what you said made sense. It was just like funny right. looking back on it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyways, we'll get on to question five here. Dominic, this this question's very simple. It is. It not is. Ta- like not talking necessarily the best, but what is your favorite fight so far this year? And maybe it is the best fight in your opinion of the year. It, but it, it, this isn't like a fight of the year necessarily. It's just what is your personal favorite fight to watch this year for any reason? See, like last year, they kind of did end up being the same, but like it was, um, 
Sanhagen and Peter Jan. Like that was my yeah. just favorite high level fight. And I thought it was the best, but there were others that were like neck and neck. And we went yeah, with right. Gaethje Chandler, of course. But this year, I I have it on my side. I think I think I have to go my favorite fight still to watch so far of twenty twenty two. We got three months left. But I have to go Yuri and Glover. I think I do. Even though it was one of the worst betting nights in history for both of us combined, we had 17 bets on that fight alone and none of them hit. It was really bad. But but the that was such an emotional roller coaster of a fight. The ups, the downs. Mm. I mean, it was everything. I think I I think I said that for that fight, but like everything you would want to see. In an MMA fight, if you're showing your friend the sport for the first time, you show them that fight. The heart, the grit, the will, guys looking like they're winning, guys looking like they're losing, submissions, transitions. Ooh, I did a little rhyme there. Knockdowns. I mean, everything happened in that fight. Oh, and it was for the light heavyweight championship of the world, and you get a finish with 20 seconds left in the fight via submission. Yuri's first in how many years, Noah? I don't want to get into it. It's a it's dark times for us. That is my favorite fight of the year, and I still think it's probably the fight of the year so far for 2022. I do agree, fight of the year for sure. Mm. And now there's a reason I put this on here. There's a reason when I saw this. I, I want to like, hear oh. what you say. Yeah, like I obviously kind of put this on there because I was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. It gives me a chance to talk about this fight that I want mm-hmm. to talk about. Because like I get it. Like sometimes favorite and best can be the same thing. Like oh, it yeah. can be. Yeah. Like Yuri and Glover, no doubt the best fight of the year, and probably like my second favorite fight of the year. But there is one fight that has put chills, shivers down my spine, that I fucking fist pumped in the air when it was over. And I was like, and I still yesterday went back and watched it just to feel something. That was motherfucking Charles Oliveira versus Um, Justin Gaethje. That fight, chef's kiss. Is that one of your favorite fights of all time ever? I think it, I think it might be my favorite fight of all time. I love that. I love that. (laughs) I don't, I don't know why. I mean, it's it's a banger of a, of a, but it's like three minutes. Yeah, it's not very <laughs> long. But I just I just remember how electric that fight was. That was a rabid Justin Gaethje crowd. Yeah, and Justin yeah. Gaethje and Charles went in there and fucking went for it. Yeah, Charles heavy pressure. Gaethje throwing absolute bombs. Knocks down Charles technically twice. Yeah, and then Charles, I've, I'll never forget the fucking right hand comes out of nowhere. The camera's like mid switching as it hits, and Gaethje gets knocked down. And I think part of what elevates that fight, I actually think Cormier elevates that fight for me because once he knocks Gaethje down and he's got it, and he's like trying to get that submission, he kind of does that. He's trying to do like an arm bar, and then he kind of switches it to that weird, like. Uh, arm triggle and Gaethje yeah. starts slipping out and then that's when Oliveira gets the back and chokes him mm-hmm. out basically but while he's doing that all Cormier is saying on commentary he's like Joe Rogan this dude he's like this guy he's like yeah. this guy's unbelievable and then he finishes he's like it's over it's over that's the choke like he's like this guy man and I just yeah. I don't know why I just fucking love that like that like this guy's he is in such disbelief of like how good Charles Oliveira is and 
Charles Oliveira fights have just turned into like an experience for me. Charles yeah. Oliveira is probably one of my favorites ever. Point uh, watching his run, we've really seen him rise here since we've done this podcast, and um, yeah, it's been such a joy to watch. But that fight in specific, you know, that was not a great lead up for him. Mm-hmm. He was the, he was stripped. He missed weight by half a pound. We were. Um, we were, what did we do for that? Did we do, was that in the preview episode that we talked, was that after the, or did we do like a something for that? Did we do like a, mm, I think I it, like we talked about that, but like, I don't that had know. To be, or, that had to be the preview, right? But isn't the preview. We preview then, on Thursdays after? though. I don't know. So yeah, it wouldn't have been weigh-ins. I felt like we talked about this on recording. I've. Why do I? I mean, definitely in the space. recap, we probably had an outrageous discussion about it. That or maybe that's say. maybe that's what happened. But when we were talking about it, I guess in our group chat, when it was all unfolding, we were saying that I do remember. This is a this is a huge blemish on his career. Like I don't know if he can ever recover from this and all this stuff. And somehow he just turned it around in that in that twenty four hours or so. Yeah. And somehow came out of that looking fucking just animal man well that's when the infamous the champion has a name came about yeah which is sick so that's so that's my favorite fight this year you probably won't see it uh at the joeys come december just because it doesn't really quite fit in any of our categories I, i understand that it's not really a fight of the year like it's all subjective, but it's not one of the four best fights of the year. Like I recognize that. Yeah. Um, and real quick, just like Charles in general, this three fight run that he's on Noah, have we seen something like this in a while? I mean, you look at when Robbie was the champion, he had like what two straight fight of the years. This is like, this is, this is the comparison. That's the last time. It's insanity. And the thing is, though, like, Robbie's, yeah, been in trouble, but Charles is, like, on the verge of getting knocked the fuck out. And then he bounces back. And then, again, and I've said this word for word, he doesn't just beat the opponent. He destroys the opponent. He knocked Chandler unconscious. He submitted Dustin Poirier. He submitted Justin Gaethje. Like, this three-run, three-fight run that he's on is nearly unprecedented. It's insane. Pretty sure, by the way, Robbie Lawler had three straight fight of the years. Johnny three Hendricks, straight fight of the years. Rory McDonald and Carlos Condit. What a yeah. fucking beast. Yeah. But I think that's the last time. That's And Robbie Lawler, one of my favorite fighters of all time. There's yeah. something about when the expectations on someone are low. Like, we we really liked Charles, like, early on in the podcast. Like, we really were, like, high on him. Yeah. But he people like him or Benil Dariush that we – really liked have been our guys but have even exceeded our expectations there's something very fun about watching that unfold like we thought tony would beat charles we were worried about michael chandler beating him and then dustin poirier beating him and then justin Mm. gaethje beating him so it's like every time he keeps delivering more than what we expect like we keep thinking okay he never should have even been in this position in the first place you look at his early run he was never he never should have been a champion and now he's one of the best fighters in the whole company and that fight with Gaethje I just feel like really encapsulates all that I love about watching him fight it's just an electric fight to watch 
Love it. Number six. An interesting one here, Dominic. We have been on this podcast way back. You have to go back to the to the audio days. We said on this podcast, I'm not going to tell them the episode because I don't really like the episode, if I'm being honest with you. We said we preferred fights without fans. Might have might have been, you know, that it, COVID was that was that was COVID was in full swing. We might have been just I don't know. I don't know what was going on at that time that made us think that, but you know, it was a thought, right? Yeah. yeah. We ran with it. Yeah. Well, we've obviously turned around on that opinion. We we tend to see the value. I think I think I just I almost hate the bad crowds more than I love the good crowds, I think was my opinion at the time. Mm. But now I've just, it's been so electric since they've been back in with fans that like, like, man, this is a lot better than no fans. Yeah. So there was a time where we really thought the way they were doing things at the apex, it was obviously a godsend during COVID that they had it. But now here we are, it's September, 2022. I'm not sure what people think about the pandemic anymore, but the president did say like a week ago that the pandemic's over, I guess. So um, obviously we're kind of starting to get more and more out of this thing, regardless of what you believe. The question is, Dom, should the UFC continue to hold fights at the Apex? And I guess the kind of the whole, I guess, second part of that almost, even though there's no second part on my sheet, is just like now that the UFC have have started to branch out and do more of their fight nights with the crowd, should we get back to the point where we're doing every week basically of the year at a location in the United States or in a different country and doing fight nights in person, or is there a place for apex fight nights in your opinion to still be there? I I think there's a, there's a place for it simply because like availability purposes, I guess for the UFC and like the, uh, I'm blanking on the word I wanted to say, but just like the the ability for them to travel every week, that's a lot, you know, because like, again, the, the UFC is just so much different from all these other leagues because it's like team based. So like they obviously travel, but they have homestands. So like the UFC can have a homestand when they do some at the apex or whatever. But then they're in Vegas. You got the T-Mobile arena. So can they even do something like that? But I think there's a place But as we do come more and more out of the pandemic We've seen more and more shows from the UFC because it feels like it, at least once a month now they're out and about for the most part anyway. It's or it's it's nearing that stat anyways if it's not precisely that. Um, so I do want more fights. I mean, obviously we got to go in March. It's incredible just being there in person, guys. If you haven't been to an event, it's it's better than watching from the TV. I'll just put it that way. But so yes. The, should they continue to hold fights there? Not as much as they are now, but they can, if they're scheduling with these other arenas, getting into these states doesn't hold up, then they have a fallback option. That's kind of what I'm viewing the Apex at at this point. 
you know, just mm-hmm. that's something to fall back on. They build it at the headquarters. It's very convenient. You have the contender series, the ultimate fighter, you know, the PI and stuff for training purposes. But in general, if you're able, because you, you know, we've seen what have they had 25 straight sellouts. There is a willingness. There is the, um, what is it? Supply and demand. There is a demand for people to go to these events. I don't see any time soon where the UFC can't go to any state or a country and not sell out an arena or fill 90% of it. You know what I mean? So I think as time goes on more and more, we need to start traveling again and just use the apex as something to fall back on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we need to be at a point where the apex is only for contender series and the ultimate Mm. fighter again. It's great. I know it was, it was a huge savior for the UFC when this all went down, but there's no doubt that it really compromises a lot of these fight nights at this point. We may not have seen it when that was all we had, but now I think we can see that not only do the fights feel compromised, but I feel like the fighters are sometimes compromised by a lack of a crowd. Um, And you're talking about how it's difficult to be traveling every week. I agree. That's a lot of logistic, you know, that's that's a lot. It's crazy to think that that's what they were doing, you know. But that's what I I was about to say. Yeah. They've proven they do that. They literally did it for years. That's insane. So this idea that they can't do that now is kind of crazy to me. And what's so weird about some of Dana's comments about this, Dom, the UFC were like the first. They were the first sport to really say, no, we are going to find a way to hold our events while this madness of COVID and whatnot is going on. Some people might agree with that mindset. Some people might not, but they were the first to do it. Mm-hmm. And they were the first to come back and they really benefited from that. They've had some of their biggest financial years the last couple. Yeah. But does it feel like now they're actually kind of the ones, like almost the only sport that's still even talking about COVID? Like, do you notice that? That when Dana, people ask him about going to different countries or different states, it's all about, well, once this stuff clears up and we can start doing business the way we do it in these places, we'll go there. But Dominic, every other sports league I see, it's back to normal. So why does yeah. it feel like the UFC, even though they were the, they were the groundbreakers, they were breaking, they were the ones that were the trendsetters. They went yeah. for it, yeah. And yet they seem to be the ones holding back at this point when all other sports leagues are just like full capacity stadiums and all this stuff. Yeah, that that is interesting. Um, that's a good question, and I feel like for the most part, that's. M- it does relate still here domestically. Like they still obviously have fights at the apex when they could be in Columbus, Ohio <clears throat> or, you know, somewhere else. But I think a lot of, he, he's always like, in terms of like when people are, are you going to uh, like what's um, Sweden, I think, or was Sweden, one of the one they Australia, wanted to And he's like, Africa. well, we need it. We want to see it open up, you know? Yeah. And now we're going to see that I think in 2023 when they really start to, do it again. We got Brazil lined up. They're going to go Australia first quarter, I think, too. So it is weird to hear him still say that, I guess. Um, but in the two, being that they're not necessarily like 
stadiums. So like the NFL's in stadiums and stuff, but they're in arenas. So like the NBA's in arenas, home teams and stuff. So that the UFC always has to schedule around the like the home events of these arenas. And I guess a lot of them are like backed up because when they canceled events and they're trying to rebook them now. So I think like hopefully 2022 is like in finishing it is like the last little bit of everything getting caught up and everything back on track. And hopefully 2023, I, and I do actually believe that we see the UFC as close to like what they were in a 2019 is what I think will happen in 2023. That's what I'm envisioning in my head. Can I tell you what I think when Dana Mm -hmm. kind of says this stuff, when he's still bringing it up, like, oh, when he's, and you're right, there is some of it. It's a lot of it's when people are asking about other countries and other countries are still maybe different than what we have here domestically. But I think it's an excuse because, I think the UFC have realized that these apex fight nights actually probably benefit them better than traveling for these fight nights. Oh, I would imagine. So part of you would think, okay, you, I can't say this for sure, but I, I did a little research at one point in time. This has probably been a year or so ago. The live gate for a UFC event basically just covers the cost of setting up the event. Wow. Yeah. Like really the live gates are very minor for the UFC's bottom dollar. Like they don't really value the live gate that much. Right. The reason, if you ever notice when Dana talks about why he wants to go to these places, it's not because, you know, it's not about, you know, financially it's not about like that's financially what we need to do it's because that's the way that the sport grows like that's the right. focus on doing it so these fight nights that are at these locations whether domestic or out of the country it's more as a as a means to grow the sport in terms of financially it actually benefits them to stay at the apex do oh yeah very, you know everything run in house right yeah they don't have to book a venue and do all this stuff, all this, whatever. I don't know what all goes into it, but you get it. There's a lot that goes into setting up an event. Oh yeah. Um, And that way you, and you have very minimal amount of people that show up, but the actual cost of attendance is basically used to cover the cost to set up the event. So I think that um, they don't really value it financially. And I think that, UFC that being that, you know, that, you know, fighter pay and stuff, big topic, right? But UFC very mindful of their finances. That's been, I mean, that's why they're so successful and so much. Yeah. I think they, once they realized, wait a minute, we could just do events at the apex that we own and operate and pay a fraction of what we pay to set up at all these other locations. Yeah. Yes, please. And they're they're so, still selling like VIP packages for that. Granted, yeah. it's not a ton of people, yeah. you know, two or three hundred, probably not even, right. probably like two hundred max. But you know, they're because yeah. they're getting a little bit. So yeah, so don't don't quote me on that. Do your own research. But I do remember that the live gates were, you know, I, I what's like the highest live gate the UFC's ever has? Like six million or something like that. Like it's or my mm-hmm. way off. I don't know. It's I don't, like. 
when you really think about it, that's a lot of money, but I don't know if it's really like consider yeah. the fact that a million pay-per-view buys is every pay-per-view is $75. Yeah. Yeah. So you now kind of realize, think of the scope there, right? Yeah. Like that that would be the money maker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we'll move on to the last one. Number seven, our final question. It's kind of number eight, but you know, whatever. the reason why this question's on here is because I called my shot. Dom probably doesn't even remember this, but a previous addition uh, back when we were doing the Reddit roundtable, one of the earliest ones we did, we were talking about, I think the question that we did was name two fighters who have never fought before that we think could have a trilogy of fights. And mm-hmm. I said Patricio Pitbull and AJ McKee, who hadn't fought yet at that time. You're close. Now, I was close. <laughs> <laughs> I can't give myself too much of a pat on the back because now Spike Carlisle is fighting AJ McKee. <laughs> yes. Patricio's on the same card fighting someone else. So, like, okay. Uh, Adam Borch. So it's like, okay, okay I guess uh, they're on the same card but not fighting each other. All right. Well, that's, that's good. So I wanted to revisit this question. Because I just think it's a very interesting one to to bring up. Now I'm giving us a little more wiggle room this time. Little a little tweak here, yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying name two fighters who have fought no more than one time that you think could have a trilogy of fights. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and it's I... an obvious one, and I don't want us to take it. So I'm I'm saying no, you can't take it. Okay. You can't take Usman Edwards. Okay, good. I was like, shit, is he going to say what I was going to say? This is going to be awkward because then it's going to be dead air. That was the one that I immediately (laughs) thought of when I put this question down was Usman and Edwards. So I was like, that's that never, that never even crossed my mind. But that that would be a little bit of cheating, kind of a little bit. Um, The, 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 the first and only one actually until you just said Leon and Kamaru that came into my head, Noah, I'm going to go Matos Gamrot and Armand Saryukian. I thought their first fight was, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was such high level. That, that was, was what popped in your head. That's that's yes. great. I think that's the great. only one. No, I, <laughs> that's a great option because I just Dom. That's so funny. Your mind goes to guys that are ranked like in the bottom half of the top fifteen. That yeah, it was a it was an awesome fight, and they're definitely two future, you know, top level guys. But it's just funny, like, my mind went to, like, you know, the biggest thing that happened yeah. this year, Leon knocking yeah. out pound-for-pound pound King Kamaru. And you're like, you know, that was a really good fight. I think they should do that two more times. Exactly. Like, just immediately pops up. Yeah. Um, guys, that – honestly, that's probably – I that would be close to my favorite fight of the year. If it wasn't for Yuri and Glover, that might be my favorite fight of the year. That's probably number two. Um, mm. That was just high-level MMA. That's what it was. Two guys, not in their prime yet. They're getting there. They're nearing that prime. They're the future. They're the wave, the next wave of the lightweight division. All these veterans that we've been talking about that we love, they've got to start trickling out at some point. These are two of the guys that are coming in to make the replacements. Uh, their first fight this year, it was a main event. We loved that it was a main event, and I would hope that the next two times they fight, it's a main event too, maybe even a pay-per-view headliner for a belt. Those are two incredibly talented fighters, Noah, with very high ceilings, and I absolutely um, could see them having a trilogy, and I hope that they do have a trilogy fight. That was unreal. And you look at the closeness of it on the judges' scorecards, 
I love everything about it. I think that they that could happen down the line. Hmm. Now I got to think of an answer to this question. Because <laughs> I took away my... Uh, I thought I was hurting both of us, but really I just hurt myself. It was... Revert it. I'll cut it all out. <laughs> no one will ever know. Leon Edwards more. <laughs> Because I feel like that's just so obvious that I don't want to give that as an answer, you know, just because I really do think that's probably what's going to happen if I had to predict it right now. So so you um, do think that they could have a trilogy? You don't think that maybe Connor... I do think I think Usman beats Edwards in the rematch right now. But do you think they would do it again, though? Or do you think Kamaru maybe just gets his belt back and retires? I know we've talked about well, him a little bit, his future. You know? See, I oh, know wait. we did speculate that. would that. be a trilogy. I forgot they've already fought twice. Never mind. Never mind. I just had a break. Oh. Yeah, they have fought. Sorry, I didn't think of that either. <laughs> that was their second fight. when <laughs> The first one happened seven years ago. Oh. Um, <clears throat> that <clears throat> did I... I didn't, I didn't think of that either, Dom. <laughs> so I was thinking oh, Kamaru in a rematch and then they fight. I guess a fourth time. Yeah, that would be a saga. Well, okay. Maybe that maybe that wouldn't happen. Um okay, oh, man. so to, I, I I take it as a personal challenge to try to find two people who've never fought and be like, okay. Oh yeah. They could have three fights. Like I I wanted the challenge because I called it. Called it last time. I know it hasn't happened, but I still think there's a chance, you know. Oh yeah. Pitbull and McKee basically had a trilogy without having a trilogy. Like can we all just let me have that win? Like that was that was totally gonna be a trilogy, and then they just yeah. like I don't know what happened there. It was just weird. Um, let me let me think. Got to think about it for a second. Um, the one that's coming to my head, it won't leave my head, so I have to get it out there. Uh, Kayla Harrison, Chris Cyborg. I think that's a pretty pretty obvious one. Damn. Yeah. Because I do think a... that fight's going to happen. I do. And the deal, though, would guarantee two fights. Like, if they co-promoted that, if that's the way it went, it, the deal would be you do one fight under the PFL, one fight under Bellator. So if they both won one, then you would do a trilogy. So I think that's a pretty – I think that's one. That Interesting, being, Noah. Yeah. So that's one I really do think could be a trilogy. It may be a bit of a long shot, you know, truthfully, just because there's a lot of stuff that has to come together yeah. without the workout. But yeah. I think what helps me pick that is that there's a guarantee. As long If they were to co-promote, they both would be like, okay, it's a two-fight deal. One yeah. under PFL, one under Bellator. Uh, is there... You know, that's I, was thinking of, I was thinking of our of our lovely flyweights, and you know, two guys that I think I could see that have fought once: Kai Car France, Brandon Roy Val. Oh shit! I thought you were going to say Kai and Askar. Yeah, but no, that I, one too. I like, I like Kai and Roy Val because they are in a lot. Like especially Kai, he's elevated himself so much since that he first has. fight. And yeah. Roy Val, I think, is just he's so close to really breaking through. And, being like a real contender and um their first fight was a lot of fun wild shit uh crazy first round roy val won and yet kai was the one that was knocking on the door of a title shot before him so um, i think there's a lot of room for that to be run back in the future i feel like for trilogies to happen and it's not all the time but like 
you kind of almost need them to fight. Obviously, once when they're young, Kamaru Usman, Leon Edwards. And then you kind of need one to pull away, become a champ or become a top five. They fight again, whether it be for a number one contender fight or the belt. And then that third one comes a little bit more down the line. Someone defends the belt a couple times. The other guy that lost the second fight fights his way back up. They fight. The, I, I don't know. Like, it doesn't have, I, you don't I was need with it. you. You don't I was need with it. you, but I completely disagree on the third one. Like, typically what the UFC does is after the second fight, they do an immediate rematch. I mean, tell yeah. me that's not what they always do. I mean, that happens more so than other troops. Yeah. Than and maybe I'm thinking of just rematches, like second fights. But no, I feel like most trilogies are the first fight happens when they're young. Then they happen a second time and the other guy wins. And then they do an immediate rematch the third time. Now, I will say what I thought you were going to ask. It does seem like most trilogies involve a title at some point. Like, at some point. Yeah. Like you don't really see non champions fighting that many times. Except I Dustin and Connor. That was probably the only trilogy yeah. with no uh Well, I was gonna say, uh didn't um did did Hendo and Shogun fight three times or just twice? Oh, if we're branching away from just the UFC, oh well they fought the UFC I, didn't they only I don't think they fought outside the UFC. I don't well, I don't think they fought three times then under the UFC banner. Okay, definitely fought I twice. I don't think. But they definitely fought twice, but they might not have three times. But for the most part, a title is involved at some point to make a trilogy. Unless it is like a Connor Nate, but here we are. Haven't seen the third one. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, DC wait, and Stipe haven't, trilogy. Haven't seen, wait, did you say haven't seen the third one? Connor and Nate, we haven't seen the third fight, so it's not a trilogy. Oh, Connor yet. and Nate. I thought you said Connor and Dustin. Oh, no, no, no. Um, that is one that fits in with this. Steep ADC trilogy, Moreno and Figgy are about to fight a fourth time. Everyone's been for a belt. Yeah. So we Connor had a trilogy. whole episode dedicated to trilogies, yeah. actually. That was a pretty cool That's episode. True. That's a throwback. But So uh, yeah. it sounds like Connor trilogies are the only ones that don't involve titles. <laughs> Who would have thought? Connor, Dustin, Dustin, and Nate. Neither of those had titles on the line. So. Which again goes back to our argument for the question earlier. You don't need a title fight for Connor. That's how we end today's show. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm glad we could bring it back. Full circle, the main baby. point of today's show. Yes. But Dominic, there's only one way we end our shows around here. Closing statements. Yeah, Ooh, well, that's a. That is. Why is that it is so, a. That looks, that looks, that monstrous. I love it. Nice and long, oh, monstrous, nice. girthy. <clears throat> uh, so, Dominic, you know, closing statements, the point of the show where me and you can talk about anything and everything, MMA related or not. Do you have anything for this Monday edition of closing statements? Just a little shout out. Don't even really know if he listens too often, but our good buddy Nick, he's back home, finished, graduated from the Marines now in the Marine reserves, but he's back home spent my Saturday with him yesterday. Good times. Great vibes. Happy. He's back. The gang's going to get back together. That includes with Noah here shortly too. when we make the plans. So just happy to have a friend back. So let's go. 
Yeah, I'm glad to hear he's I saw where you guys were uh golfing. I think he had put it on his uh yeah. Snapchat story. So I was like, Oh, that's cool that he's back, you know, he's been gone for a while. Um I've always loved Nick, uh, even though he did uh <laughs> he did absolutely <laughs> Pulled pull pretty. He pulled a pretty cheap move. I'm not gonna lie. And now to his. Okay, I'm just gonna tell the story. That's that's there's closing because, statement. <laughs> um. So in fourth grade, me and Dominic, Nick, we all played football, right? And I've always been a big guy. I've always been one of the biggest guys on a team. So I always played offensive line growing up. And I loved that coaching staff back then. Like, that that was where a lot of our dads, my dad was an assistant coach on the team. Like, there, there was a lot of – we, we really grew up with those being our coaches for years. And then we won the yeah. Super Bowl in sixth grade. It was kind of like the, you know, I don't know, felt, felt something a little wholesome about that, you know. Yeah. But one of the dumbest things we ever did was our tackling drills where – You'd have two lines, and you basically were just one-on-one, one guy with the ball, one guy trying to tackle the guy with the ball, just run straight at each other, okay. And then when you were done in, like, the tackling line, once you tackled someone, then you would go into the line to run the ball, and it would split back and forth. Why they had people like me running the ball at practice, I will never understand. Because nobody my size, like back then, there was a weight limit to who could yeah, run the true. ball. Yeah, true. That's true. Game. So people like me couldn't run the ball. Even probably people like you at that time. I couldn't run the chunks. ball. You were a little chunky at the time. You were our center. Yeah. So yeah. I don't like, we couldn't run the ball. So I was like, why were we running the ball at <laughs> practice? You know? Exactly. And then, sure enough, I always used to question it, but I still did it. And then, and then Nick, you know, he was a, he was a, he was a little fella at the time. You know, he came up like if I was wearing like, you know, not knee high socks, but like socks that come up like mid, mid, uh, shin, mid shin. Yeah. Nick probably was about as tall as that sock would have been on me at the time. Yeah. He's a little fella. Yeah. Now he's not a little fella. Now he's, right. Now he's quite a yoked fellow. But, yeah, yes. <laughs> um, he recognizing that I'm like three times his size, low man wins. So he goes literally to the floor. Like he literally yeah. goes for the, like, you know, down to the ankles to wrap me up. And the way I fell, you can imagine this at home if you want to put the picture in your brain. Uh, eventually snapped my ankle, just broke it. Yeah. Completely broke it. Yeah. And, you know, I've forgiven Nick for that. I have. Yeah. But they say you forgive but never forget. Yeah. So sometimes when I'm around Nick, I start getting that little itch in my right ankle that's like, you know, you better watch this guy. Like, he's... I, I think, Noah, part of that itch had to have came out a couple years ago in BG. I just remember being in my apartment. All the guys were there. <laughs> maybe or maybe not, there were drinks involved. I, you know, take it for what you will. Me and Nick had an apartment, and there, so we had this the hallway. When you come in the door, there's a hallway, and it takes you to the rooms. And then if you go right, there's the living room. But there's like a half wall to where if you go long enough down the hallway, you can't see anymore. So all I remember is just like, 
ah, like Tarzan was about to swing in. Ah, I'm like, well, what's going on? And all of a sudden, out from behind that half wall into the rest of the hallway, Noah, Nick on his shoulder, bam, body slam right into the front door. They both crashed to the ground. Dare I say it, maybe not full revenge because Noah did break his ankle, but part of revenge, part of that itch came out that night. Absolutely, absolute scenes. That's all I'm going to say. That was... That... Yeah, I, that's probably part of it. Two four locos. I think I peed my pants that night. In the ankle. So, yeah, when you feel that itch in your ankle, you know what? You know what the quote is. You say, "Always be ready, so you never have to get ready." That's how I have to be with Nick because I never know when he's going to go low on me again and try to tackle me. So, there you go. I always got to be ready, so I don't have to get ready with him. Good quote. Yeah. But uh, I do have something for closing statements. Oh, oh, oh. You, you son of a bitch. You put that Sorry. back up there, you motherfucker. All right. Don't you try to. <laughs> so I, this is a part two of my riveting uh, condiment debate from oh, shit. last week. Yeah. I realized halfway through last week that I really should have asked a different question than the one I did. So part two here. My favorite food in the world, Dom, is a good chicken wing. Mm-hmm. Oof. Chicken wing, buffalo wings, barbecue wings, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just, man, a good wing. Hell, it doesn't even have to be that good. Like, B-dubs don't have the best wings, but they got great sauce. So, like. Yeah, true, true. You know, it works. But there is a big debate in the wing world, Dom. And that's ranch or blue cheese with your wing and there's been some pretty popular people who've weighed on weighed in on this Uh, most notably joey diaz has said multiple times on the joe rogan podcast blue cheese a fuck your mother so uh know how he feels about it then yeah 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 so um dominic and I already know the answer to this, and it's not going to make anybody happy, but I want to know, is it ranch or blue cheese for you? Well, for me, Noah, the answer is quite simple. I don't even have to get into the debate between one or the other, because I don't use either. I never, get ranch. I, I never get ranch. I never get blue cheese. I don't dip my wings in a damn thing but my mouth. I just eat them <laughs> as they come to the table. There's no condiments. There's no sides. Nothing for wings. Just put the chicken down my gullet. What? Why was that like the most sexual way to just say you eat wings without sauce? Um, yeah. (laughs) So Dominic decides, you know, Dominic is good at when you ask him a question, like you'll give him two options and he'll say both. Like, you know, he's he's big on like that thing. I just hope both teams have fun. Yeah, you try to make everybody happy. Yeah, this was the first time you gave an answer that's going to make nobody happy. Well, I'm used to that with these food shit anyway. So, (laughs) So, for me, I gotta admit I do like both, but I always go ranch. And I figured when because I've started to branch out and try more sauces and stuff, you know, really expand that palate and. I figured there would be some that I would prefer in like blue cheese and some that I would prefer in ranch. 
being honest with you, like, I really don't notice a huge difference. And I know that there is a big difference in taste, but typically the, I just go ranch because that's just what I like more. But I really don't like the wing sauce is usually the, the prominent taste, even when I'm dipping it in ranch. So like, mm. it's more of just a, it's more of like a compliment to the wing sauce. It's not really overtaking the wing sauce. So yeah. either one, but ranch is my go-to. Mm. Sorry, Joey Diaz. Mm. And quickly guys, I know, no, I was about to, I kind of caught him right there. Yeah. I just thought of another part to this debate. Part three coming on the next closing <laughs> statements. Stay tuned. That's our trilogy. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Sleep. We are but just two of the below average shows, and we'll see you guys on Thursday.